0: You know, on the show, we talk a lot about how to grow, how to scale, how to really maximize your opportunity for getting ahead. But one of the things we don't talk about often is, what happens once you sell those companies? What happens once you have your new customers? How do you make sure they stick around? Especially in the SaaS world, you've got to be able to retain and grow your customer base. I talked with Faras Rashid, he is the CEO at Hook, and he explained exactly how you can set up your customer success team to be amazing at keeping and growing your existing customer base. Enjoy this one.
1: Welcome to Sastery in the making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach.
0: Yes, welcome, I am Matt, so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming, thanks for watching, thanks for listening on the podcast. This is going to be a good one. I'm really excited. And I'd like to introduce Faras Rashid. Farras, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. Faraz is joining me from London, which I will be at later on this summer. Looking forward to that. But really excited about this show. us, he is super, super sharp when it comes to customer success. And, you know, he's the founder and CEO of Hook. And really what Hook does, they use data to retain and grow your customer base, and really, that's the holy grail of B2B subscription companies, right? So it's super important to make sure that not only are you sell- selling new customers, you're driving new business like what I teach and what I coach, but you're also retaining them. It doesn't work if you sell a bunch of companies and a bunch of new logos, and then all of a sudden a lot are leaving on the on the back end. So I'm really excited to dive in and figure out how we can be better about keeping them and retaining them and growing that customer base. That's what Faras is super smart about. Really what his company Hook is doing is transforming B2B SaaS by providing accurate revenue predictions and intelligent, actionable insights to secure those renewals. He's super passionate about the way customer success is run and about building the leading workplace for ambitious people who want to be part of a team. It's really cool what they're doing there at Hook. So once again, Faras, thanks for coming on the show
1: thanks matt great to uh great to be here excited to welcome you to uh to london later as well yeah i'm
0: super excited about that i love it i got to get some amazing they have the best indian food in the world there and maybe not as good as india but at least in places that i've been it's amazing so i cannot wait but uh tell me about what's going on lately and what's coming up
1: yeah so um so matt as you said we're focused on customer success um we're a, a b2b SaaS company for b2b SaaS companies um So a little bit meta there. Um, We're we're coming into our second year. So our first year was all about building product. Um, And the product that we've built um, came from my background when I used to run customer success at at AppDynamics. So there I spent um, several million dollars trying to figure out how to predict revenue using data on the customer success front. Left there, started Hook. um, And now really we're on the piece of figuring out our go-to market. So how do we go and build out our sales. We've just done our first customer success hire ourselves. Um, so yeah, super exciting. And I think, especially in terms of timing, we're on this kind of explosion of customer success it's, uh, itself, which is riding on the, the explosion of SaaS. So, um, you know, it's kind of giving us a lot of tailwinds in, in, in what we're doing in terms of execution as well. Very, very
0: exciting. So can you tell us what exactly does Hook do? What does this application do for people?
1: Yeah, well, we're a customer success platform um, used by B2B SaaS subscription companies. And what we do is we help companies use their product and user engagement data to predict how their customers are going to behave. So in essence, we're taking how users behave on a product down to an individual mouse click, how frequently they speak to um, their CSMs on Zoom, for example. Uh, And we use all of that data and historic revenue performance to tell them, these are the customers you need to focus on because they're going to churn or grow. And these are the actions that you, you should take. And uh, and we help them take those actions at scale. Um, and we all do that in a very simple UI that can be deployed in uh, in, in a few weeks.
0: Super, super cool. So speaking of CS, customer success, so how can people build these customer success teams? You mentioned you just made your first hire, but you've done it a lot in the past, especially at AppDynamics where you did an amazing job. So how can these companies who are out there trying to build their CS teams, what can they do in order to make that happen? And especially during the talent shortage that we're facing these days, how can they do it the best?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So we're seeing some unique factors happening in the market right now. the COVID situation has driven massive digital transformation. That's accelerated SaaS because um, companies are investing more into SaaS. There's been more VC money coming to SaaS. And all of this is creating this like dynamic where um, customer success is more important than ever because it's become easier to be able to leave companies and go and jump onto a new SaaS platform. Uh, and therefore, there's a higher demand than there ever has been for, for customer success managers. Mm -hmm. So to give you an idea, when I joined AppDynamics in 2017, that was post-acquisition. We'd just been acquired by Cisco for $3.7 billion. At that point, we were only really starting to seriously think about customer success. These days, you can't raise a Series A without having a customer success person in place. So totally agree with you. There's an explosion of of, um, CS. uh, There's a shortage of talent. Um, What I usually recommend to people is, people are often looking for customer success people who've got uh, expertise within customer success. And the reality is, when you have a talent um, vacuum like there is now, those people are going to be few and far between. And actually, I think people need to reposition how they think about um, the customer success managers, which is ultimately as a product, what you're really selling is a platform to deliver business value. And so the most important thing to think about is not so much people with customer success experience, but how do you go and find people that have experience in the industry that you're selling to? Um, myself, I had experience of this at AppDynamics when we rebuilt the customer success team out in 2017. I had to hire 25 people within uh, within a year across Europe, wow. and what became clear was that people who had experience within IT operations were way better at doing the job because they knew exactly what the customer was trying to do and they were actually also really empathetic to the customer's problems. Um, mm. So my first recommendation is look inside the companies that you're selling to and look at those types of people that are trying to do those jobs and figure out how you can get some of those people um, people within there. Um, I myself, by the way, got into customer success as a customer of the the, the product that, um, that I moved into. Um, wow. The other thing that I think is really important is... Um, make sure that your team's set up with the right tools and products and data to be able to do their job as well. Um, I, I see more and more today when there are people that have got customer success experience, when they're spending all day trying to sift through Excel sheets and log files and so on, that can be a really frustrating job when your job has been consulting at McKinsey about how to drive digital transformation at a bank.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That is super frustrating when you don't have the right tools in your hands. So how, how do you do that, though? Let's say you do get somebody on board, and maybe they don't have CS experience, but they come from, like you said, maybe the, the the background from the industry. How do you train that new team? What are the best methods for getting them up to speed and really being productive quickly?
1: Yeah, that's a that's another great question. Um, I'm going to answer the easy answer, which is it really depends on your uh, on your stage of company. Um, but I'll go into that in a in a bit more detail. So. The first thing I'd say is if you're a small company, one of the biggest mistakes that I see, or sorry, an early stage company, one of the biggest mistakes that I see is when people try and set up a process for their customer success team without actually understanding whether or not that process works. Um, I've actually made this mistake before. um, uh, And um, uh, we found that we ended up going into building out playbooks, into building out this whole drawn out process and training people on it. And what we had, hadn't actually discovered was, um, is this something that's actually going to drive value within our customers or not? So the first recommendation I'd make is it's more important for the customer success person to spend time with their customers than it is for them um, to uh, follow a specific process in the, in the early days. Through that, they'll naturally start to figure out the bottlenecks that become a problem within customers. And that's where you want to start building out a process. Now, and um, we train our engineering team, our product team, our operations team on customer success. So we have a partner that we use called Sales Impact Academy. And we find that lightweight training really helpful to give some of the basics around what is customer success, what our health scores uh, and so on. Um, as you get to later stages, I think that that dynamic changes because you've now got a process that works and, um, and you're likely to have good process uh, training itself. The two pieces that I see lacking are firstly, making sure that customer success people have really good product training. And that means to be as deeply technical as you need to be in order to be able to, again, empathize with your customers. And the other side is uh, I see this um, separation between the type of emotional training that salespeople get and the soft training that salespeople get and what customer success teams get. And I see that more and more now as a founder going into sales. So, um, some of the training that I think people sometimes fall short of is um, how to write effective emails in order to get people's attentions very quickly, um, how to negotiate in difficult situations. After all, one of the key things that you want to do as a customer success manager is to turn around difficult accounts to attract new users, to build relationships with new champions. Um, and so I'd say focus on the product training, but also build a training path that includes Um, a lot of the emotional side that will help people understand how to deal with difficult customers and how to get them on board.
0: That's so true. I I, I have seen that a lot myself with my own companies is, you know, you train your sales team on kind of those soft skills you talk about and making sure that you can get people energized, making sure you can connect with them quickly. But the CS team never really gets that same training, even though they absolutely need those capabilities. They absolutely need all of that. Because in some senses, CS teams sell and and they're trying to not only renew, but upsell in many companies. So it's it's really important that they have that as well. I think that's super critical. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, customer success teams, it's funny, us CS folk like to think that we don't want to sell because we think that that creates a, a friction with the customer. But actually, um, we have to sell. We have to sell the value of our product. We have to sell what the company's doing for them. We have to sell our own stakeholders internally into them. Um, and I think that being a founder has given me a, a, you know, a new insight into some of those deeper level of sales tactics where you really begin to understand the difference between um, things that you know you and I were talking earlier about demoing um, and how different it is to be able to do a really good demo um, or how, how much of a difference it makes writing um, an effective email with, two words in the subject line rather than an overly formal email that someone's going to ignore. So yeah, I've seen that gap firsthand and I I think it's something that I would strongly encourage customer success people um, to to address themselves as well, you know, go out there and have a look at sales training and, and start to understand how much of that you can fit into your own job
0: yeah I, I absolutely agree so you mentioned metrics earlier and a lot of the stuff that hook does is amazing but which metrics should customer success teams really be focused on
1: that's a good question um sometimes i answer that with uh, if i knew that then i'd solve customer success um but i <laughs> but i do have uh i do have um i do have a, a, a quite a, a strong view on this um Sometimes people think that you can't define what customer success is. And I think that's probably because it's such a such a new kind of booming industry. Um, and actually, I think there is a clear definition. Customer success is about the, the gap between the purchase order and buying a product and the value that a customer gets out of it. That is the piece that customer success teams are out there to do. I think if you want to run customer success effectively... To start with, what you need to do is to find one or two metrics that are going to go and uh, proxy for that. Now, it's difficult to measure customer value consistently across different customers because mm-hmm. um, a bank may want to save headcount. Another bank may want to increase revenue. They may be entirely different dollar amounts. And, and so focusing on, on value as a quantity is, is difficult. But there are leading indicators of value. Um, for example, when I was at Ad Dynamics, we found that it was clear that once people had gone past the 50 percent mark in terms of deployment of licenses the software went around the bank like wildfire and we suddenly saw a different level of adoption that came out with stories about about value realization and so we picked two metrics to measure the customer success team on um they were number one the number of licenses that had been deployed out of what had what had been purchased And the second was the number of users that were using the product. And we looked at how that lifted up um, week by week. I'd say if you can get to leading indicators like that, that are very simple to understand. um, The other thing to think about is how do you get the customer success team to own metrics that no one else owns? Um, Because the struggle you've got is until you take accountability for something as as a CS team or as a CS leader, you can't take the credit for it. And so the reason we picked adoption at App Dynamics was we knew sales weren't looking after adoption. We knew renewals weren't looking after adoption. We knew it was a leading indicator of value. We knew it was in the customer's interest. We knew that it caused renewal, but we could totally take credit for if something had gone up from 20 to 60% in a quarter, there was no one else who had measured themselves against it. And when that happens, you buy a lot of credibility with your leadership, with your customers, with, with everyone internally. So... Yeah, my message is find the one or two metrics that that predict that, uh, pick them up, own it, scream about it, tell, tell everybody that you're owning that. Um, and it really changes the way that people perceive CS, uh, both inside and outside of the company.
0: Super, super cool. I totally agree. So when should a startup start their CS team? You know, When, when, when does that first hire happen and when should it happen?
1: That's a, a really interesting question. And honestly, I, it, I'm amazed by how much that's changed. Um, I, I see people hiring CS people before they've got their first customer. Um, and wow. I think it's because people realize that that CS is going to be a problem. Um, and they realize that it's important to have that given the right space. Um, so yeah, my, my view would be you should get in as soon as you're starting to think about go-to-market you should bring in your first CS person. Um, Now, I think the reality is that CS person changes in terms of what they're responsible for, because day one, they are a catch-all for everything. They're the adoption person, they're the renewal person, they're the support person. And as you get to five, 10, 15 people, you kind of shift some of those responsibilities elsewhere. Um, But certainly I'd say before you go out and raise your Series A, if you don't have a strong view about how you're going to build your customer success team and have your first hire in there to help with that. I think you're going to struggle to demonstrate that um, that retention and growth is a, is a really key part of your, uh, of your business. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's critical
0: because, I mean, today's day and age when SaaS is such a big thing. And that's what we're all here and everybody listens to the show is SaaS for the most part. So you've got to be able to hold on to your customers. And so if you're not thinking about how to hold on to them before you even have them, then you've got problems. So I love that idea. So tell me. You've been building Hook for a while now. What have been some of the best moves you've made along the way for us that has helped you get ahead and helped you get towards your goals?
1: Good question. Um, I think it's always easy to focus on the negatives as a founder. Um, I think otherwise you wouldn't be a founder. Um, <laughs> but I, there's, there's um, I think there's a few things we got really right. Like number one, we stayed focused on our on our product vision. Um, we were strongly of the view that we wanted to build a customer success platform that did all of the work. And that meant you didn't have to type in numbers for health scores. It meant you didn't have to type in whether or not someone was, was looking at a product. And it wasn't just there to help you manage tasks. So we built the, the platform from the ground up on product data, which means we ingest everything and every event and every mouse click. And that was hard. Um, and, and the hard thing about doing something the hard way is that a lot of people will tell you not to do that. Um, people will want to buy an easier product uh, and, um, and and we stuck to it. And the great thing is what comes out of the other end is that when you've got the, the difficult pieces built and you start to find those early signs of product market fit, you've actually got a very differentiated product. So I think, I think that was good. Um, we got our um, product in the hands of customers very early. So About three months after we started to build, we put our product in the hands of our first design customer. And at the time, we didn't even have a database. So we ingested this product data, it combined combined into a file, and then the file had a UI on top of it, just so that we could figure out whether or not they liked it. And it gave us a lot of feedback. Um, That meant that we identified um, a lot of the big impact features that people needed. And it took us a little bit of time to build that. But as soon as we built them, things changed a lot. So to give you an example, one thing, we had a predictive health score that will say, this is the percentage of likelihood of renewal. And um, it's right. We're right like 80 to 93% of the time. The thing that came back from the product feedback was, I like this, I believe it, but I don't really understand it. And I need you to show me that I can understand it. And we spent a couple of months building all of the explainability and the history around that So really, it came to a point where people got it. Now, once we had that, what changed was that when we went out to demos for new customers, it just blew them away. Um, And so that customer feedback really helped in the the early days. And that's an example of a feature we didn't really think about as as we were building. Um, The third thing is, and actually, I think this is the biggest thing we got right. The first investment I ever made in Hook uh, out of my own money was on um, career brand. So the first thing I thought was, if we want to hire the best people, and um, we have nothing, at the time we didn't even have a name, Um, we have nothing, we have no product, we have no customers, we have no marketing dollars, we have no recruitment spend, Um, then the first thing we need to start by is we need to look like a company that people want to work for. And so we spend um, a lot of time on how do we build out what the website looks like? How do we put pictures of the team on the website? How do we make sure that the brand is something that people want to work for? Um, and uh, especially when you're competing with people like um, uh, brands like Gong and, and all of these other brands that have managed to make themselves a lot consumerized in their look. So that helped a lot because what it meant was that when people were coming in to um, speak to us about jobs, they were referencing, hey, I saw your video online um, where the team speaks about why they work for Hook or they saw the blog post online about why they work for Hook. And actually, we do about 90% of our recruitment in-house without using recruiters. Um, And that's been alleviated a lot because of, of the time that we spent on that career brand.
0: Super, super cool. And I love that you focused on how do we make sure we have a great team and somebody who wants to work here and that you focused on the brand. Because I think that is important when you have a great employee who's looking at a few different options, you want to make sure that they feel like they can believe in the product. they can believe in the team, they can believe in the brand. It's something they'll be proud of being a part of. and i'm I, I'm glad that you see that. I see that as well, and it's awesome. And has that paid off? Are people super proud to be part of the hook team?
1: Yeah, it, it has. It's great. Um, and it's great for a few reasons. Um, we don't have to compete on salary, for example. Like we pay well but it never comes down to a negotiation around the highest paid because it's clear to them that there's a strong differentiator in terms of culture that they're not necessarily going to get on, on um, the bigger companies. Um, sure. We have an office, uh, w- which you can see here. Um, that was one of the first investments we made as well because we wanted people to have a home that they came into and that they felt good about, um, about coming into as well. And we're finding more and more that people, you know, we ask people to come in two days a week, but um these days, there's people in the office five days a week, um, uh, because they actually enjoy being here. And I and I think that that driving that type of culture is is awesome because not only do you um, do you get people who work hard, want to ho- ho- solve hard problems, but as a founder, it's it's a really nice place to come into work. Um, so for sure, I'm I'm really glad that we we spent that um, that that time and that money investment on those areas.
0: I love it. That's so fun. I I, I think back to some of my startups and that culture of. Everybody kind of coming together, working hard, putting their heads together, being together in an office like that is is such a fun environment, isn't it? It's fun. It's, it's
1: yeah. It's funny. There's there's the fun bit, and then there's the not so fun bit because it's hard. <laughs> and there's something, and you'll have been through this, right? There's something about being um, in that not so fun bit, surrounded by people that are also in the not so fun bit. And you're really close to, and you really like working with, and they're also working really hard because, um, that for me is like the most enjoyable part of that journey. Um, yeah, there's so many times that you're worried about sales and investment and various other things. And knowing that you're surrounded by those people that you can, you know, go and sit down in the kitchen with and have a coffee and, and, and actually realize that they're in it with you. I like that, that makes a huge, huge difference to the hard parts of the journey.
0: Well, I mean, I think going through the strife and the tough times together makes that bond stronger. So it's super cool. I'm glad you brought that up because that's, you know, thinking back to my days, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. It was uh, plenty of tough times, but because we went through it together and overcame challenges together, we came through much better on the other side.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I totally agree with that.
0: That's awesome. Well, this has been phenomenal for us. You've definitely dropped a lot of amazing
1: information for us. How can our audience learn
0: more about you and
1: Hook? So um, I guess the most obvious one is um, that there's not too many Faraz's on LinkedIn. So um, uh, so search for me, Faraz, uh, add me on LinkedIn and reach out. Um, I love talking about B2B SaaS. I love talking about customer success. Um, if you're looking at what you need to do in order to drive your own customer success team, um, we have a ton of content. We've just written content about hiring. Um, we also did a survey with um, 110 customer success leaders where we asked them what metrics they use and how effective they are. So I'd encourage you to go to our website. That's um, hook.co uh, and, uh, and you can download that instantly. There's There's no kind of waiting for a person to send it to you. Uh, and we've had some really good comments on that um, uh, on that so far.
0: Very cool. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening on the podcast, you'll be able to click that and see all that information and get to Faros and Hook as well. So for us, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for
1: coming on the show. Thanks so much, Matt. See you. Uh, see you in London.
0: I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. And thank you, everybody out there for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. It has been awesome having you. Make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button right now. That way you're not going to miss out on any other creators or leaders like for us coming up in the next couple of weeks. We've got some good ones, I promise you. So thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time. Take care.